Hey, this is your host, Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. The totality of the universe is it's just perception. And uh, it's how we perceive things. And uh, there are no facts, only interpretations. The, the psychical events are facts, are realities. And when you observe the stream of images within, you observe an aspect of the world, of the world within. And so, you see, the man who is going by the external world, by the influences of the external world, say society or perceptions, sense perceptions, thinks that he, he is more valid. Don't relate yourself to any person, anything, any idea. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here for today's episode. I think the last episode I recorded was about two weeks ago, or maybe three. I don't remember, but I am currently in Buenos Aires and exploring, resetting, grounding, and just welcoming in the new year. So spring is approaching and that is the time that I celebrate the new year. So I've been getting into that energy by putting myself into an environment where I can really feel the energy of spring. And yeah, I can definitely feel the shift and the difference of just being here. And my friend Louis said that countries like Argentina and Puerto Rico and Portugal all have this certain culture and it's a culture of slowness and this culture of slowness helps us to slow down just imagine yourself being in a city like New York the pace the rhythm the hustle culture the grind all of it essentially your nervous system your energetic field it meshes with it and before you know it you're moving at the pace of the environment itself not your own organic pace and rhythm but through being in these environments and also through a lack of energetic boundaries we essentially enmesh with these environments and Cities in the U.S., like New York, have a very high pace, and in that pace, you really lose touch with the ability to slow down, to pause, and to rest. So for me, being here has definitely offered me that gift. And um, and yeah, so just a little update on where I'm at right now. And um, I'm excited to jump into today's episode. So thank you for being here. So I find it important today to talk about what I feel is the hidden gift or the hidden treasure in recycling terrible relationships. And this actually came about from just me observing the clients that I've worked with and my friends and just my own life and past experiences and relationships. And there is 
a gift that I'm being presented in these terrible relationships that I can't actually see. And the fact that I can't see what the gift is, is the very cause of me recreating the cycle, the dynamic, the relationship all over again. And this is how I get that ragdoll effect. But it's a sign that I've missed something very, very vital to my healing and my transformation. And as a result of that, if we see life as a university or earth as a curriculum for the soul, I then have to repeat that relationship, that cycle in order to see what was there, in order to see the gift that was actually presented to me. And that gift is actually the reason that I manifested and attracted the relationship in the first place. So I really want to talk about that gift because I work with a lot of people and I hear a lot of people online talking about getting out of these patterns, talking about ending these cycles, talking about not recycling the same relationships and creating new dynamics, creating healthier relationships. And this piece right here is so, so not discussed. I just want to bring it forward. And whatever you do with that is your own, but I think it's very, very important to talk about today. So that's what we're going to be exploring and I'm super excited. So let's jump into it. So the reason that we actually create the relationships that we do is because what is being presented to us in the other person is always going to be something that we need to create a relationship with, is always going to be something that we need to see in ourselves. And that's the reason these relationships are such catalysts for healing and transformation and the reclamation of our authenticity, our innocence, our truth. It's because in the relationship itself, it's not the other person. It's not them, really. It is about the relationship. If you see the relationship, which I think people really need to begin to see relationships as a conscious entity, despite whether the two people in the relationship are conscious, aware, healthy, or doing the quote-unquote work or not, does not matter. The relationship itself is a conscious entity. The relationship is essentially a spirit. The spirit has its own will. The spirit has its own sense of agency. And it is that spirit that actually creates the shifts, the cycles, the debts inside of the relationship. And so whether a relationship is harmonious, whether it actually follows the timeline that's orchestrated and ordained for that relationship to follow, is really based on two people's willingness to surrender to the will of that spirit. And so some may refer to this spirit as love. Some also refer to this spirit as the spirit of intimacy. Some can see this spirit as the presence of God or the all-loving, all-encompassing, infinite and internal universe. 
whatever you want to call it. Just recognize that there are three people in the relationship. I'm using people very loosely, but if you're in a monogamous relationship, it's not just you and that other person that's in the relationship. You two have created something else. And that is what we call a relationship, but the relationship needs to it needs to be acknowledged as a third entity. It needs to be acknowledged as a as a conscious entity, as a conscious spirit. The reason I say that is because that is what's bringing us the lessons. That is what's giving us our curriculum, handing mine to me, handing my partners to hers, to her. And so her work is her work because that's the relationship with that spirit. That spirit can be love, that spirit can be God, whatever it is, it's her relationship with that. And my own is my own. And that is my own work to do based on the curriculum I receive. And so when you view it that way, one thing that's important is to understand that the curriculum that the spirit, the relationship, the container itself presents to me is based on what I deeply desire to become. And what is it that I need to see about myself? So the spirit, the container, the relationship already knows this. And it's presenting me that information. It's presenting me that platform through the channel of the relationship, through the channel of my triggers, through the channel of discomfort and uncomfortable emotions and feelings. This is the channel in which my curriculum is handed to me. And so based on how I meet that feeling, emotion, conversation or trigger determines how well I do on these tests, on these curriculums, on these opportunities for me to reclaim these parts of myself. So with that, the reason we're attracting these relationships is so that we can get those parts of ourselves back so that we can form a relationship with them again. Because as a result of our childhood wounding, there are parts of us that we've learned to disown. As a result of an unsafe, unloving, unsupportive, and unprotective environment, we learn that, wait, I cannot embrace this part of myself anymore. I need to disown it. Because the world is telling me that when I embrace this part of myself, what I will be met with is shame, aggression, hostility, rejection, or abandonment. And so why would I want to perpetuate that in my life? So in order to stop that, in order to protect myself from that pain, I am going to disown these parts of myself. And in doing so, I keep myself safe. So when we become adults, we realize that, wait, I need those parts of myself. Those parts of me help make me whole. Those parts of me are what make me unique, beautiful, amazing, or brilliant, or even genius. There's so many parts of us that we've disowned that actually carry our gifts with them. But that's a 
topic for another day. And so the relationship, this is what I'm trying to emphasize, the relationship is designed to show us what we've learned to disown, what parts of ourselves that we've put aside and said are not welcomed into the wholeness of who we are. The relationship is showing us that. So what happens when we get into relationship, there is a five-step process that we begin. Most of us don't know we're doing it. It's an unconscious five-step process. But the first one is we have to find a host for this part of ourselves that we've disowned. Like who's going to hold it? Who's embodying it? Who's, who has some remnants of the part of me that I've disowned? So we have to find a host because I can embody it. I can embrace it and I can't express that part of me anymore. So I'm going to live vicariously through the other. And this other person is going to be my partner. So who's going to be the host for this part of me that I've learned to disown? So this is the first step. And an example of this is this dynamic in relationships where people that are very creative, are very free-flowing, always somehow attract people that are actually the opposite of them, that are always on time, are always prepared, follow things to the T, are very glued to the rule book, right? Maybe you're in a relationship like this. And then the other dynamic is that there are people that seem to always attract people that are very assertive. They're just very clear on what they want from the world, just very clear on who they are and how they need others to show up and what they expect from other people. And they just know how to assert their worth as if they were born with this habit. And the person that's usually with that kind of guy or gal is often lacking that level of assertiveness in their own life and relationships. They struggle to maybe stand up for themselves or speak up for themselves or stand tall in their values or sometimes seen as maybe a good girl or a nice guy or a doormat. And from this picture, you can see that for some reason, these dynamics happen. But the reason behind the manifestation of these dynamics is that the other person possesses something that the other has disowned. And this is also very, very obvious in attachment styles. One of the most common ones is this pairing between avoidant and anxious. So, the avoidant prioritizes protection. The anxious prioritizes connection. And so through that process, one has a very hard time asking for support, asking for help, embracing that the fact that they have needs like everybody else. The other one has a very hard time leaning into their alone time being left alone. If the partner says, I need to process my emotions, that's very difficult on the anxious person. And they also need constant reassurance. And they have this very strong tendency to lose themselves entirely in the relationship. 
sacrifice who they are for the betterment of the relationship or for the maintenance or the longevity of the relationship itself. And even in this dynamic, the other possesses what the other person has disowned. One person has mastered what the other person is still working on. Their plus is the other person's minus. Their minus is the other person's plus. This is the dynamic. This is the nature of these relationships. This is the nature of all of our relationships if we really evaluate them. I'm pretty sure everyone by now can notice how we create relationships to host the parts of us that we are ready I mean, we believe we're ready to finally, to finally own, to finally welcome, to finally embrace once again. So the second part of that process is that the projection begins to crumble. So this is when you start looking at the person and you're like, oh shit, who the fuck am I dating? Like, how did... No way, no way. I swear to God, I saw all of these qualities in them like the first, fuck, six months and now they're like all gone. Like what is going on? What, what's, what's happening here? Uh, oh my God, this is not the person I was dating six months ago. Jesus Christ, who, who are they? Was it all a lie? And this is where we start to really, really enter into this space of discomfort doubt and questioning the entire relationship and some other people just push past that shit and just avoid any of that doubt and just remain very glued to who they believe that person is despite what they're revealing despite their imperfections despite the full spectrum of their humanity being revealed so Others start to embrace that and start to see all of these other aspects. Some people tend to just ignore it, kind of deny it, just try to keep the vision on who they believe the person is or who they imagine the person is, or more so who they need the person to be. So they maintain the image despite the person being that. They maintain the image internally of that person regardless if they're actually embodying it or not. So from here, the projection is essentially crumbling. And the third step in this process is that it completely falls apart. The projection completely crumbles away. And the reason that the projection crumbles away and what happens is all this fighting starts to happen and all of these power struggles start to happen. This tension between two people is just unbearable. And what is actually transpiring? So the part of the other person, like the projection, the part of, let's say me, that I've disowned, is now finally getting closer. Like it's in my face, like really in my face, like, oh shit. I don't have this relationship with this part of myself. So for example, you can be with somebody that's very assertive and there's a point in the relationship, right? If you follow the steps, 
maybe in the beginning, that was what attracted you to this person. You're in love with how they led their lives and how they took control of their life and run their business or assert themselves in other ways or the way that they asserted themselves in order to pursue you or to invite you into their life, invite you into their world. And it's very attractive. It was very enticing and very seducing. The way they just expressed themselves was in a way that you've never seen anybody express themselves so boldly, so confidently, and so courageously. Now, following this dynamic, now I drop into the second stage and now I'm like, damn, like this person like is very assertive. Like is very assertive. Like, oh shit, like they have a hard time like hearing other people's opinions. They have a hard time welcoming other perspectives. They have a difficulty embracing other viewpoints. And it's like, oh shit, damn, like, okay, I guess this is like the shadow of this quality of being very assertive. Oh my God, like, damn, this is, this is hard. I, I have like things to tell them. I have viewpoints I want to share. I have things I need to share with them that I think they need to work on, but they're just asserting themselves every time. And I can't get through them. And so now I'm in the third step of this process and I'm, everything's crumbling. I'm like, oh my God, this person is selfish. They're self-centered. They're a narcissist. They, oh my fucking goodness. I can't get through them. They're not taking any accountability. They don't care about my feelings. They're disregarding me. Jesus Christ. I can't even get a word out in an argument or in a conversation. This step is the power struggle. What is actually happening is that the part of myself, let's say if I'm in this dynamic, my assertiveness, the quality that I've projected onto them, I'm now being called to embrace that. I'm now being called to actually welcome that part of me back home. But I don't want to do that. Let's say I don't want to do that. I'm still not ready to embrace that part of myself. The struggle is going to continue. The tension is going to keep going and it's going to intensify. Because again, the spirit of the relationship is confronting me with what I need to now reclaim. What I need to embrace as a part of myself once again. And so if I don't bring that forward, what happens is most people don't actually make it to step four. What happens is most people restart the whole process again. So they leave the relationship and they look for another person to host the part of themselves that they cannot own and embrace. So I dump that person. Let's say I dump that person or that person dumps me or the relationship just falls apart. I never integrated, which is step four. I never integrated the part of myself that the other person, the relationship itself was designed to help me reclaim. I don't integrate that. So then I attract another person that from step one, I'm like, oh my God, they're so amazing. They're so brilliant. They're so bold. Wow, they're so courageous. I just love the way they show up in their lives. They're so on purpose. 
wow, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by them. I never met somebody like them. Slowly but surely, maybe it might take six months, maybe it might take three months, maybe it might take a year, but then I move into step two and all of a sudden it starts to crumble again. And then I find myself back at step three, which is this power struggle. And so I repeat and I repeat and I repeat and I repeat until I learn to reclaim the part of myself that I project out onto others and say, these strengths, these qualities, these abilities are in everyone else but me. Till I stop repeating that story, I'm going to keep repeating these cycles. I'm going to keep repeating these relationships. So you for yourself can look at the theme of your dynamics. What part of you are you projecting onto the other that they are now, as a result of the relationship, in service to help you reclaim? What would that be? Like, would that be your creativity? Would that be your relationship to your assertiveness? Would that be your relationship to being able to be with yourself, being able to sit in solitude? Or is that your ability to ask for help and support? And so just observing that is actually going to transform the relationships that you walk into and create with other people. Because now you don't need your relationships to show you what you're avoiding in yourself and to show you what you are afraid of reclaiming. Because often in that third step, the discomfort that happens when you are confronted with a part of you that you have disowned, have discarded, and feel like isn't really welcome in who you are makes you less of who you are or takes away from your gifts, your talents, or the person that you are today, you are going to experience a lot of discomfort as this part of you drives deeper and deeper and deeper into this space where it's pleading for your attention, for your love, and for your acceptance. And oftentimes in relationships, this can manifest as a very, very dark period where you and this person just don't get along, where you hate this person. I'm not talking about abusive dynamics. There's components of what I'm talking about here. If you guys want to explore that and unpack that, there is definitely components of that there. But I'm not talking about these dynamics. I'm just talking about just people that are in unhealthy situations that are toxic but haven't reached an abusive level. But in these dynamics, it gets more uncomfortable because especially if you don't want to embrace that part of you and the other person doesn't want to embrace the part of themselves that you are also inviting them to take ownership of. If both people are doing that, there's this burst. There's this burst. There's this fire. There's this tension that is almost unbearable. And why this is all happening is also because both people are being confronted with what somatic memories 
are arising as a result of the dynamic they find themselves in. So that level of assertiveness that this person is embodying represents a caregiver that also embodied that to a very unhealthy degree. And maybe the lack of structure or the lack of freedom is also reflecting back a structure that we were once a part of as children that either limited us, restricted us, or boxed us in. And this is all surfacing in light of the dynamic itself and how that dynamic is bringing us closer, not just to these parts of us, but the events, the experiences, and the situations that led us to disown them. And that's why this is where the work is. The more I am willing to see what somatic memories are being activated by this dynamic that's being triggered by this person's expression, their demeanor, their behaviors, and their actions, the more willing I am to actually confront the parts of myself that are activated in that, the more I can see what opportunities, literally opportunities, are being presented to me to reclaim a part of myself, to forgive a part of myself, to extend compassion to a younger version of me. There's so much in that moment. But if I'm not willing to look at that, if I'm uncomfortable by that, if I can't bear the discomfort of that conversation, then I continue into this space where there's a battle for power and the parts of me that are battling for power are the ones that don't want to redefine power, don't want to form a new relationship with myself. And so I rather things remain the same. Like I'm fighting for things to remain the same. I'm fighting for myself to remain who I believe myself to be. And it's an identity crisis for both people. Like the person that embodies this level of assertiveness to an unhealthy degree often finds themselves dating somebody that has a very large capacity to consider other people, has a very large capacity to extend themselves to other people, to people please to a very high extent. But this person, this individual has something that the other needs to embrace to an degree that will actually benefit them in having a sense of balance or actually neutralizing the shadow they have with their relationship to being assertive or choosing themselves or putting their needs first. That person that actually doesn't have the ability to do that, but puts other people's needs above their own, is actually supporting the person finding a little more balance in their lives and vice versa. And your desire to reclaim that part of yourself doesn't necessarily mean that you stay in the relationship. I don't want anybody listening to get the wrong message of, oh my God, damn, I should have stayed in that relationship. No, it means that you, that's why I started with the spirit of the relationship. You did your work. You received your curriculum 
and passed your assignments. That's all that matters. It's not about the extension of the relationship. It's not about the maintenance of the relationship or keeping it together. It's about reclaiming your authenticity, what the relationship is designed for. Whether the relationship continues in light of that is not really your responsibility or concern. Because relationships are often only designed to hold certain aspects of yourself. And so when you embrace a range of yourself that exists outside of that design, the relationship will crumble. Not because things are wrong or things went bad or you did something wrong or you did something bad. It just means that the relationship was not designed to hold those other parts of yourself that it was actually only designed to maybe hold the part of you that was afraid of being in your power that was afraid of claiming your fullness that was afraid of asserting yourself in the world and stepping into your purpose it was only designed to nurture and hold those parts but the part of you that steps into your purpose that embraces your authenticity, your fullness, it wasn't designed to hold that. And so as a result of that, there might be tension, there might be a crumbling, there might be a breakup, but it doesn't mean that anything went wrong. So just understanding when you see these relationships as a, as a, as a teacher, as a spirit, as a guru, it, it changes the dynamic. It changes the dynamic, it changes the perspective on how you view even your past relationships. That is the gift that these relationships offer. And so when you get to step four, which is integration, and you don't, like most people, start from three and jump back to one and just look for another host, you actually get to step four and then you integrate the part of you that was calling for your attention calling for your love and acceptance, like you bring it back online. Now you enter into step five, which is embodiment. So through your integration, you are now embodied. So that means the part of you that you reclaimed is, is a part of your direct experience. And what I mean by direct experience is that you don't just intellectualize that, oh, like I need to be more assertive in my life and that's what's important. Or I need to trust in life more and I need to have more faith and let go of the things that are outside of my control. So when you don't just intellectualize this, you don't just rationalize it and it's just not a cognitive understanding, you actually embody that understanding and that embodiment is represented in your habits that embodiment is demonstrated in your behaviors. That embodiment is demonstrated in your mindset, in your approach to life and relationships. That actually creates a new wave of expression. This new wave of expression is going to attract a new wave of relationships. You might find people that are maybe embodying certain things of yourself that you are still forming a relationship with. But the difference is that the level of love, care, and attention you give those parts of yourself is going to be reflected in the other person. It's going to be reflected in a dynamic where 
now you're nurturing those parts of yourself. You're not being demanded or forced to look at how often you reject, disown, and disregard this. You're actually presented the opportunities to nurture them, to nurture those abilities, to nurture those talents, to nurture those gifts, to nurture all of the things that you're bringing back online. Now you have relationships. This is where it becomes healthy and empowering. Now the relationships are actually designed to nurture your authenticity, to support you in becoming even more authentic, becoming more sincere, becoming more of a genuine whole human being. And so that's what we want. That's what we want to create. And that's, I believe for most people, those are the type of relationships they want to be a part of. And those relationships are a bit more useful and kind and loving and empowering just to be around them. There's an activation of our power coming back online. It starts with noticing, especially if you're dating right now or if you're just in a space of solitude and reflecting and self-discovery where you're belonging to yourself again. You're coming back home to yourself, whatever part of this process you're in it is very very important to notice this five-step process that i laid out and to see like what parts of me am i projecting onto the world like really really just looking at that that's going to show you where your work is because the beauty about life is that Life's greatest gifts, life's greatest treasures are going to be wrapped in the things you're most afraid of, are going to be wrapped in the things you're most afraid of doing, and are going to be wrapped in the things that you're avoiding looking at. Those are where the treasures lie. Those are where the gifts are. And that is where God speaks. It's not in your brilliance. It's not in your talents. It's not in your greatness, really. It's in the things that impede that. It's in the things that you don't want to look at. It's in the things you rather hide away from. That is where God speaks. Because those are the very things that are impeding your greatness, that are inhibiting your talents, that are blocking your joy, and are not creating visibility for your your genius and your magic and are blocking that from shining through you shining through your eyes shining through your words shining through your work those things that you don't want to look at that you rather avoid and project on another person and say oh it's it's in them they have that thing i don't have it in me they have it you want to keep that story going but you want to be great You want to be a whole person. You want to be authentic. That's not the path to that. It's not. And that's why these relationships, as I said, are designed to help you form a relationship with what you don't want a relationship with. And the container itself provides you that awareness. You may not notice it right away. You may notice it in five years. But the relationship provides and prompts that awareness of my God, I'm literally afraid of forming a relationship with this. I'm afraid of who I could possibly be 
or who I could possibly become if I reclaim this part of myself? How would people respond to me? Will the world still love me? Will I be abandoned and rejected again like I was when I was 17 or 12? So many big and uncomfortable questions and answers, they're going to come from that. But that is where the work is. And so for people that are interested in doing the work, one of the biggest ways that we can start to jumpstart that process is looking at what we are projecting, what we're projecting onto other people and what they're actually supporting us in seeing in ourselves. So thank you guys so much for joining me for this episode. And if you haven't already, please just take five to 10 seconds to just share how my podcast has impacted you. Maybe a positive experience you've had from just tuning in and listening and resonating or being challenged or being uncomfortable, whatever it is, share what that experience has been like for you down below. So with that, again, thank you so much for being here and I wish you a beautiful day and a beautiful evening and I'll see you on the next one. Peace.